This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome back to the channel, everyone. Today, I have an amazing conversation with Cora Lynn. She's a business and tech strategist for coaches and course creators. She's also a 4-6 generator. So she quit her job in social media management back in 2016 without a plan and instantly started working behind the scenes in six and seven figure coaching businesses. She turned 20K launches into 100K launches, created six figures sales funnels, and simplified the lives of her clients by automating everything. Determined to make a bigger impact, she launched the Design to Sell School of Business in 2020 and never looked back. Since then, she's generated over $700,000 and changed the lives of over 500 business owners. So today we are navigating the landscape of what it means to have strategy and business and just really brought in such a human aspect of being a business owner. So I'm really excited for you to hear all the wisdom bombs that Coraline drops, the amazing quotes that she has just sprinkled in throughout our conversation and the amazing perspectives that she's here to offer. So let's dive in. Coraline, I'm so excited to have you here. I know that we're going to have a freaking awesome conversation. So just so the listeners know, I stumbled across Coraline on Instagram probably like maybe two months ago or so and we started chatting and we have a lot of interesting things in common, We're both in Canada. We like the same books. Obviously, we're really passionate about business and just her raw and realness and how she shows up online and just having the systems as well to back up how she shows up in her business and supports her clients. I really loved that. And so I invited her to come on today to talk about her journey. And we're going to dive into some really great topics. So welcome to the freaking channel, Coraline. It's so pumped to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I am like a little fangirling over here, not going to lie, because I... I love your content. I love the way that you you articulate and talk about human design and gene keys and how that fits into the business realm. I haven't really seen anyone doing it the way that you are. And yeah, I'm really excited to dive in and, and just have like a really good, honest conversation with you. I'm super Yes. Pumped. Oh, thank you for that compliment as well. Okay. Yep. So this is my first question. I would love to hear, I always ask this to the people that I interview, what what was the start of your journey? Like what got you to where you are now? I lost my dad to cancer in 2016 and I, 2016, 2015, what is time? 2015. And I, it, it reshaped everything for me. I moved out of the city and into the country. Um, I was working remotely as a social media strategist at the time. And I kind of had this moment where I was sitting in a boardroom with a pitch for Dole Foods. I don't know if you're familiar with like Dole Pineapple. <laughs> yeah, I used to, I used to, they were one of my social clients that I had way back in the day. And I was sitting in the pitch meeting and I kind of looked up at the screen and realized that they were charging about $500,000 for the year of social media. That that I would then be providing. And I kind of sat there and went, $500,000? Like I make 55 grand a year. And what the heck? I have 11 clients that I manage for you guys. So I kind of looked and went, uh uh, absolutely not. Maybe I can do this on my own. Maybe I can kind of create this agency type model, helping small, smaller business owners and not big name companies. And so I got to work right away, kind of looking at different industries that I might be able to support. And because I had just lost my father, I was kind of really in the personal development world at the time. And I was looking for a lot of help and a lot of solutions. And, you know, I was doing a lot of mindset work and I really stumbled honestly into the coaching world. I opened up Facebook one day and there was an incredible woman and human who I deeply love, Lauren Eliz Love. And she's since grown to have a really large business, which I love for her but she was looking for a virtual assistant. And I essentially reached out and said, look, I think I'm overqualified for this, but I'm so curious how your business works. So I would love to, to take this role. Like I'd love to, to sit in the back. And I started out just taking call, like notes on her coaching calls. I would sit on her coaching calls and I would take her client notes for her. Like no AI back then, no one was doing that for us. And within a, honestly, a few weeks, I started seeing 
tweaks and changes and stuff that we could make to her website, to the way she was marketing her products, to her sales pages. And I brought these things up to her and I said, look, let me just, let me just try it. Like, let me just see if I can increase your results. And, you know, we took her $20,000 launches to $100,000 launches within about a year. And we took her $100,000 business into about a $400,000 business in about a two-year period of time. I started, you know, kind of backing away from the VA role and really started going, wow, I have something here. We had gotten to this point where I was sitting in a finance meeting with them uh, and I had a contract on the table for about $100,000 for me to work with them for the next year. And I had the same moment I had in that corporate office where I was like, wait a second, I'm gonna make you 800,000 next year and I'm gonna get 100,000. And it sounds a little greedy in that way, you know, but I had this calling in me of like, I'm meant to help more people. I'm not just meant to help one woman make a ton of money. I'm really meant to do this on such a larger scale. So I started an agency because I thought that was the solution. I was designing websites, sales pages, funnels, you know, that one first year of our agency, I think I did over 40 websites and over 60 different sales funnels for people. I never stopped working, um, <laughs> truthfully. And about a year later, like clockwork, as the revelation always does come is like clockwork. Uh, I kind of looked at the business and went, okay, I've made $150,000. I've helped give or take a hundred people. I want to help more people. I how can I do this? And at the same time I was having conversations with mostly business women who had no idea how to articulate what they wanted or what they needed, you know? It's like they didn't have the language to express what a sales page was or what an opt-in was or what an email sequence was and I found myself spending the majority of my time just educating people on what the components of a funnel are and how to make them work. And I kind of thought maybe I meant to do a course. And so I got the idea for the course that I'm still running to this day, which is designed to scale. I built a sales page for it in about a four hour time span one night. I launched it the next day. We had 11 people join that first round. And I, against all business advice, turned it evergreen two weeks later. So I never closed the cart. I never shut it down. Uh, and I've been selling it for coming up on three years now which is wild. So three years this December, that exact same program I have been, I've been selling and offering. And, you know, the whole point is really to empower women with the tech side of their business to kind of demystify what it takes to build a digital business that is highly scalable. You know, we talk everything from sales page design to offer messaging to the different types of products you can create to uh, the systems you need to automate all of that. And I make it accessible to people so that they don't need to hire or outsource or, you know, invest the tens of thousands into testing an idea that they don't know will work. Here I am six years later. I loved hearing your story. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay. I need to ask before, just so listeners know, before we hit record, obviously I asked Coraline what her human design was and she's a four, six generator. So I have some things to say that I love <laughs> that I saw from your sharing, but I wanted to ask you in that period in the last six years, have you hit your Saturn return or was that before, after yeah. So I just turned 32 in August of last year. So I like to think, yeah, my Saturn return was hell actually. Um, <laughs> oh I my gosh. I definitely lost myself in my Saturn return and I'm, I'm just finding that I'm coming out the other side and coming back into what I think I know to be true and authentic for me. But yeah, my Saturn return, it was, it was good times all around. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No. So in your sharing, this is what I was hearing. Do you know much about your profile being a four, six? I know a little bit. Um, I, I know the community element of it and like the, you know, the authority element of it. So I kind of have a, a understanding a little bit, but yeah. So I just want to mirror this back to you. Cause I thought it was so interesting. So before you hit your Saturn return, the sixth line operates like a three line, which is a lot of trial and error. So it's like trying this thing. Oh, that doesn't work. Trying this thing. Oh, no, that's not it. And just constantly refining and literally trial and error. And so when you hit your Saturn return, it's like you you kind of hit this point. Where you're like, okay, I know the things and you're on the roof is what we call it. So the sixth line on the roof after Saturn return is very much like, okay, what's next? Like I can see so far the vision is here. This yeah. is where we're taking it, right? And then the four line, I really heard that come through when you realized that you were backing up the business of one woman and making her a lot of 
wealth. And it was like, well, actually I want to help more people. And then you go and you do it for a hundred people. And you're like, well, I want to help more people. And then you go and you do it for like several hundred people. And it's like, that is such a fucking four line move. So I'm just laughing. Cause like a generator, you have built so much shit in the last like probably decade. And then you're trial and error the whole thing. And then you realize, no, I want more community. I want more connection. And then you go and you build that. And now you're just like, living that out in your business so it's just listening to you and I can't help myself like if I just naturally go into the state of like how is human design showing up in business right now so I'm curious if that lands for you oh a hundred percent a hundred percent and it's funny that you brought up the rooftop analogy because that's kind of how I oftentimes explain what happens when you understand the technical side of your business it's like when you don't get that piece of it you're in the big city on the ground and you're surrounded by these skyscrapers that feel so huge. But when you have the language and you have the understanding, you're able to rise above it and map out a path for yourself that's unique to you and only you. And I, yeah, I love that you said that because I use that all the time. I call it an overstanding, right? You have an overstanding of it. It's like, you know, the what and the why. And because of that, you're able to figure out how. And it's like, you're standing on the top of the skyscraper, like looking down. And you can fully see your path. So I love that. Oh, that's hilarious. I also love the overstanding rather than understanding because I can see like the word in that in this specific situation, understanding being underneath. But like when you're over it, then you have that farsighted perspective and you can see more, right? Oh, that's such a good metaphor. I love how this just like clicked together. But yeah, I feel like, you know, after my Saturn return, I'm kind of sitting back and I'm like, okay, I did the ads thing. I did this thing. You know, I tried the offer suite. I tried just evergreen, you know, I've tried low ticket memberships. I've tried high ticket memberships. I've tried one-on-one. I've tried this thing. I've tried that thing. And I'm like, now I know, okay, this is what I'm building. You know, I like this piece from there. I like that piece from there. And now I just get to connect all the dots and build. And I feel I feel grounded in that. I feel secure in that. I feel confident that like it's going to go way further than I can imagine. And I haven't felt that in in a long time, to be honest with you. Um, and it's a really cool grounded feeling. I feel like I'm just kind of sitting back and observing now as opposed to like hustling my booty off, which I've been yes. for 32 years. <laughs> yes, that's literally the fucking six line on the roof. It's like, I've done the things, I have what I need like what's next, but not having to hustle or grind through it. That's so brilliant. So when you shared specifically that you immediately turned design to scale into an evergreen, why do you think that was successful for you right away in the sense that usually people say, don't do that unless blah, blah, blah. And there's a whole fucking list of reasons why you shouldn't go evergreen right away. Yeah. So for me, I knew that I I am a better salesperson when I'm in the development process of a product because I am in the trenches of it. I'm living it. I'm breathing it. I'm having conversations about it. And I just knew personally for me that if I closed the door, I would miss a ton of opportunities to share what the experience was in real time as I was building it and as I was teaching it. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to make people wait. Like the one thing that I hate about and I will say hate, <laughs> um, I don't use that word often, but that I hate about like start and stop courses. And I think they play a role in our business. I didn't want people to wait. You know, I didn't want them to see me talking about the group coaching calls and talking about offers and have to wait till April to join. I was like, why don't I just let them in here now? Like, why wouldn't I give them this opportunity now? You know, and I think a lot of people will go, you know, well, people will be at different parts of their, of the experience at different times. And the conversations are going to be harder to control. And I was like, bring it on. Like, I'm a smart woman. I can have multiple conversations with people at different levels at the same time. Like I'm not incapable of doing that. And so I was like, I don't see any downside to this in any way, shape or form. And I think it actually became the best thing that I did because it's now a process that when it's in alignment with the person and their vision, I will teach people. And it, it, it's, it's been the greatest thing I ever did for myself, honestly. And I, I've, I haven't launched in three years, so. <laughs> oh my gosh, the launching. Yes, I, I think it's amazing that you really, like this just goes to show the nuance in the industry when people say you should do this, shouldn't do that. The fact of the matter is there's going to be different things that work 
for different people. Like for you, it's like, I know that this works for me. And it's funny because even from a generator perspective, like I only know your profile and the fact that you're a generator. There's like so many other nuances I could get into, but it makes sense that you love building with people. It's like, come in and see the joy of what it is that I'm doing. And that's what people get. They get that energy and it supports them in building their business. And it's funny because I have a friend of mine, she runs a VA evergreen program. She's a projector, but it's just so funny because you'd think, oh no, only a generator could run an evergreen. It's like, fuck no, she's running an evergreen as a projector. And it's like perfect for her because she gets invitations to have phone calls when they need it. The structure is there. The internal accountability is there. It works for her as a projector. Like there's so many nuances. And I think that I would actually like to hear you speak to that because I think people have the all or nothing mindset when it comes to launching or evergreen. And it's like, I I think there's a time and place personally for each thing and you can actually do hybrids, but I'm just curious to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I've been in this industry for a long time and unfortunately I think I went through a lot of courses and programs and people's strategies and people's solutions and what worked for them and felt really disempowered in it. And I honestly think too, and I can say this in, in, in hindsight, I did that to people as well of being like, this is the way, and it has to do this way. And you have to launch and you have to go evergreen. I've done that to people and I'm not proud to say it, but it was part of my growth journey. And I think, you know, after seven years of seeing businesses of all kinds work in digital products, whether that's human design or dog walking, I've got a you know, a student in our course right now, he's so passionate about birding and he's building a birding course, a modern day birding program. And I'm like, I love this so much. Like, this is so cool. He's got 800 people signed up on his email list in four weeks. Like, you know, and so for me, it was a lot of trial and error and experience to say every single person is so different and every single person business is going to be different as a result of that. And you know, I will say it's not the easiest thing to market, (laughs) you know, it's like you're unique and you have the answers because we all want magic pills. I find, and we want the pathway and we want the solution, but I decided, you know, early last year, like I'm not selling my soul to that anymore. Um, and I, like I said, I've seen so many things work. We have clients who launch four times a year because they love launching. And I'm like, get it girl, go get your bag. I love that for you. You know, we've got clients who all they offer is low cost, $7, $8, $9 courses, and they're pulling 20, 30, 40,000 a month. And so I'm like, get that for you. You know, um, it's, been a long journey to come to that understanding and to be empowered in saying that anybody who tells you they know the way for you I honestly am like a warning sign to run at this point like totally I love the vast examples that you just gave from like birding course to nine dollars and twenty thousand dollars a month like that's fucking wild I love that you have such vast differences in terms of like what people can actually build. And I know that this is something that you're really passionate about of taking what it is you've lived in your life or what it is you're passionate about and turning it into a digital product to sell. And I'm curious if if you can speak more to that, because it's like, I'm really hearing like, you really can do whatever it is that you want to do, but I want to hear more of your perspective on that. Yeah. I think one of the things that a lot of people grow up hearing is that you have to work really hard right? And like, if you want to achieve success, it's really hard. But I often find that like the people, what I often find is that it's the easiest things that like the things that come easiest to you in your life that are your key and your pathway. And the reason why you don't think that they're valued or you don't think that that's the way is because you haven't had to struggle to do that, right? Like I don't struggle to build websites. I've never struggled to build a website in my life. I could do that with my eyes closed. And so I kind of always discounted that skill in myself because I was like, no, I was supposed to, it's supposed to be hard. I was supposed to study for this and I was supposed to, you know, and so I kind of discounted that. But on the flip side, you know, there's something we say in marketing all the time. It's like, you need that no like, and trust factor. And the majority of our clients that we tend to work with, and I think the majority of the people who end up in the personal development space, we've been through some fucking shit. You know, we've been through the ringer in so many ways, whether that's loss, whether that's relationships, whether that's body image or self-esteem or confidence or 
you know, relationship dynamics with family. And I always say, like, if there's one person, you, who's gone through it, then that means that in a world of like 7 billion people, there are many, many more going through it. And it's easier to build that know, like, and trust factor when you're sharing from experience versus trying to pull shit out of your ass to sell something, right? And so for me, the first thing I always do is I have people do what I call their hero's journey. You know, the, where did you start and where are you now? What are all of those challenges you face? What are all of those problems you solve for yourself? Even if you didn't have to struggle to solve it, what was the problem? And from that, can we find your unique system, your unique solution and market that? Because your story in a, you know, I think people have a lot of fear that this market is becoming oversaturated. And I, I don't agree with that at all in any way, shape or form. But in a world where there are a million products on manifestation and there are a million products on Kajabi, your story is the only thing that's going to set you apart. And, you know, to try and fabricate that story is going to leave you feeling like shit, <laughs> right? You're not going to want to show up. You're not going to want to be present. You're not going to want to do the work. And so for me, you have to pull from your experiences. And if you fail to do that, I think you will deeply, deeply struggle to find momentum and to, and to really create change for other people because you're trying to be something that you're not. There's a lot of pressure to be a certain way on the internet and on social media. And the more you can lean into the realness of your life, the pile of laundry that's hanging around you, the six cups on your desk, the, um, you know, the fact that like my girlfriend yesterday, she called me bawling her eyes out in the shower. Like I had a menti B with my breakdown, like with my girlfriend in the shower yesterday on FaceTime, you know what I mean? And it's like, she's a new mom and she shared that. And people were like, I've been there, you know? And it's like, we all just want to know that we're not the only person having a mental breakdown in the shower this morning. <laughs> it's like... It's so much easier to show up when you don't have to put makeup on and do your hair and like do all these things and you can just be who you actually are. I think the challenge is that most of us grew up in environments where we were not encouraged to be who we are. In fact, most of us got shit on for doing so. And, and so it feels very bold and very brave to just show up with the face that you have or, you know, the knowledge that you have or the skills that you have and to say, that's enough, I'm enough, you know, but my hope is that more people start to do it because um, it's it is where the magic is you know it is where the momentum is it's where the growth is it's my sales do not come from my business content they come from my life content and i have the data and the statistics to back that up people don't see that people don't think that right we forget how we buy when we're buying things and we we just follow the strategy and the latest trend and the, 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 and it's like that's not where it is, right? That's that's not where that's not where the goodies are. It's just not where it is. Where the goodies are. I just love that <laughs> particular sentence that you used to wrap that up. I I'm really hearing and I I love this so much the way that you approach business. There's such a balance between the humanness and having the tech side to support you actually making an impact with people that, you know, you want to make an impact with. Right. And I think that's so important because I, I can still see it. Like I know a lot of the audience that follows me, it's a lot of spiritual entrepreneurs, you know, they're really, they're really up there in terms of like my embodiment and my connection to source yeah. and God and universe. And they're using very fluffy language. There's nothing wrong with fluffy language, but if you're going to be supporting people to come to that level of awareness, there needs to be a groundedness in that language. But it's like, really tangibly sharing your human experiences while simultaneously using strategy to like help you get clients like you need both I have this phrase that I started saying last year and I I too have a like a deep community of woo-woo in the magic incredible human beings and I think they're drawn to me because I am the logical more left brain, more masculine energy when it comes to business. But I always say, if you really want to regulate your nervous system, regulate your fucking business systems. Because when you regulate your business systems, you will have the time and the space to regulate your nervous system and your nervous system will naturally feel better <laughs> when you do that work. Uh, you know, I think the two go hand in hand. It's like, do you regulate your nervous system first? Or do you regulate your business so that you have the space to do so? And so for me, I'm like, yeah, if you're feeling unsafe, if you're feeling, you know, all these things, you probably don't have systems 
supporting you to be able to take the time away to do the things you want to do in your life. And systems are easy to build. You know, I think we really overcomplicate what a system is, but they're extremely easy to build when you really think about what it is. It's just step one, step two, step three. And I think we overcomplicate it a lot, <laughs> you know, and sometimes like the simplest systems are the things that save your life or save your business or maintain your revenue. Yes. Oh my God. That was so fucking genius. Like I've never heard that before. Like how's your business system so that they, you can regulate, you know, your own system, your own nervous system. Right. I know I kind of butchered that quote. You said it, can you say it one more time? Like that was just so perfect. If you really want to regulate your nervous system try regulating your business systems first. So you actually have the time and space to do so and the money. <laughs> yes. It's so yeah. funny when, when I look at how I was operating earlier on in my business before I actually brought in strategy and systems to like help me instead of just fucking doing everything. It's like, I had to spend so much time doing the mindset work, doing the energetic work, doing the like self-limiting belief work. I was so captivated in that because every time I turned to my business, I'd be fucking triggered. I'd be like, okay, I got to go back and do my mindset work and DFT tapping and like meditate until I levitate off the floor. And then I'd go back to my business. Like it just didn't fucking work. It was all energetics. And it, it the irony is that it almost destroyed me on multiple occasions from a business perspective. I went down that rabbit hole too. I do think mindset is a really big part of business. I think that the, you need to add the, the mindset systems and the personal development systems and those types of systems in line with your business systems and be building those simultaneously. There's a quote that I absolutely love, and it's by James Clear in the book, Atomic Habits. And he says, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. I think I've been talking about that for a really long time, but that quote really puts it into perspective. And it's like, your mind could be way up here in your multiple six figure, seven figure business. But if your systems are down here at 10 K, that's going to be a nightmare for you to maintain. And I think too, that's why we have a lot of people with very inconsistent revenue because their mindset is on board with 50K months. So then they get the 50K months, but it's a fluke. You know, it's like, it's like a one-off situation. And I always say like the killer of all businesses is, is to hit a new milestone and go, how do I get to the next one? So absolute wrong question. It's how do I maintain this? And once I've maintained this for three to five months, then how do I get to the next one? But if you grow too fast, you will fall just as fast, right? It's like that Taylor Swift song, what rises fast falls faster or something. I don't know. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I love how you have so many like quotes. So you're just fucking dropping here and there. <laughs> They're so good. But no, actually, I really fucking love what you said because this was something else that I, I had to call myself out on. Actually, it's so funny. I was talking to a friend of mine and the content that I post on my feed, especially when I'm calling things out, I'm actually calling out a previous version of myself. So if anybody ever thinks I'm an asshole, I'm being an asshole to myself. And it just so happens that you're in the same fucking boat. <laughs> That's it. But one of the one of the posts that I did like weeks ago, it might have been a couple of months ago now, I was just talking about like, if you've hit a certain milestone in your business and you can't say and show why it is that you hit that milestone, that just goes to show that you're lacking strategy and structure in your business. And it's literally a fluke. It's an energetic thing. And it doesn't mean you didn't work hard, but it's not sustainable. And people are unwilling to see that. Cause I think, like you said, we get so caught up in the mindset of like, oh, I'm at 50K, I'm at 100K months, days, whatever, but then the systems don't support it. And then ironically, people are like, oh, my energy is not aligned. I need to go and like journal 50 pages of why I'm going to make $50,000 this month. And then th they just fucking spin their tires. I was that person. That's why I'm being so blunt right now. You know, I did it too. You know, I, I've, I've done that. And, you know, I think, I think what might be different about our kind of journey is I didn't start there. <laughs> I really started with the systems and then I got really hooked into the flashy marketing tactics that exist in the coaching world. And I really, I don't want to say fell for because I'm not a victim in any way, shape or form. And those investments really did empower me and help me see things really differently and the value that I personally provide. But I went down that rabbit hole after. So I built the systems, built the structure and then thought, oh, my mindset is lacking. I need the mindset. The mindset's the missing piece. And it's like, Coraline, what did you smoke yesterday? You know? <laughs> oh my God. But absolutely not. At the same time, you know, it was a catalyst for me to really stand in my power and what I teach and how I teach it. And I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade those poor, inv poor investments for anything. Yeah. It's, it's a strange, it, it, they have to go side by side. You know, you have to build them 
together simultaneously for it to work personally. Yes. Yes. I'm so curious though. Cause I feel, I mean, at least maybe I see it this way because this is, that was my journey was like, I was lacking the systems had hella experience in the mindset. And yeah. for you, it sounds like you had hella systems and then all of a sudden got kind of roped into like the heaviness of the mindset in the industry. What did that look like for you? Cause I always figured like not having the systems, obviously you can't scale your business, but I mean, if you have the systems, and there's things that are happening automatically, but then the mindset piece isn't quite there yet. Like, what does that look like? What was that like for you? Because it's just so interesting how we're sharing contrasting experiences. And I think that's that's super valuable for the listeners. Here's, here's what it actually was, okay? I was exhausted. Like, I had spent a lot of time and energy building the systems. I worked hard to build those systems. I worked very hard on the products that we had developed. I still work very hard on the products that we developed. And I think in consuming a lot of mindset content, especially content that marketed to your business should be easy, your business should be fun, your business should be joyful. And I really bought into that. I really thought, oh, I must be doing this wrong. Why am I working so hard? Maybe I shouldn't have to work this hard. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe my mindset is the issue. I think in hindsight, like coming full circle, by taking the focus off the doing, and I love doing, I'm a generator, I love to do, I have boundless amounts of energy, and I really do like doing things. Like I could do things all day long. I could do this with you all day long. I could build websites all day long. Like it doesn't bother me, you know, but I think I started listening to people who wanted to be on the beach and sipping cocktails and doing these things. And for me, I was just like, I thought that was what I needed to do. I, I went as far as like booking a trip to Thailand and going there all winter last year. Cause I thought that was going to be the thing, like show the laptop lifestyle, you know, and, you know, in hindsight, it was ridiculous first of all. And second of all, the only thing it did was made me feel ashamed of how hard I genuinely work. And I decided, you know, when I came back from that Thailand and my relationship fell apart and my business was starting to go South that there was nothing wrong with me, that it, it didn't have to be easy, that I I didn't have to try and work four hours a day. I don't want to work four hours a day. I, I never want that life. I love what I do. I enjoy working. And while, yes, I want balance and I want time to read and play Spyro with my, with, you know, with my partner and take my dog for walks and go on trips. Like I don't mind working and I don't, you know, I kind of started to feel like I had to hide that part of myself because that's not what people wanted. And so I kind of came to this realization of like, fuck that. I want to work with the people who like working. Yes. You're speaking to my fucking soul right now. Like, absolutely. I think that, listen, you're right. There's nothing wrong with people who want to live that laptop life, the nomad life, who are sipping pina coladas on the beach and want to buy the Chanel bag. Like, that's totally cool. And it's so funny because when I first came into the industry, that's the shit I was seeing. Like, I was following multimillionaires and I was just like, oh my God, manifestation and money and all of this. And I was like, well, I like to wear hoodies and I want to work. Like I wear this hoodie I'm wearing right now. I literally wear five days a week on camera, on Instagram. I don't give a fuck. I'm not wearing makeup. I'm like, if I can just love my business, make great money, make a, a massive impact wearing the same fucking hoodie five days a week, I'm winning. And that might be a horrible dream for somebody else, but that's, that's what I want. And so I just, I love that you also admitted like, you love working and you love, you know, working hard. And that I think that there's this, we've swung so hard. Like if you look at society, it's like hard work is praised and your paid vacation and pension and whatever and all that shit. But then, and then all of a sudden we come into the online industry because it's like, I don't want to work hard and I just want it to be easy and all of this. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's, those are like massive pendulum swings in the opposite direction. And for me, I'm totally in the same boat. I want to work hard and I want to have people that come. If somebody comes to me and like, I just want to work three hours a day, like, I don't think I'm the person for you because I'm going to fucking show you so much and help you so much. You're probably not going to work three hours a day. So it's like, it's like, I just love that you unapologetically owned. You tried the thing. It wasn't your thing. And you just owned like, this is, this is not for me. And I just like that you sharing that validated my own experience in the industry as well. I'm happy to hear it. It was a, uh, it was a roller coaster. Like I remember sitting in Thailand all last winter being like, I just want my office. Like, I just want my standing desk. I just want my mic. Like, I'm so sick of living out of this bag and moving every three weeks. Like I'm over this. Like, I want to be at home. 
And I felt so bad about it, you know, and hard work is just as sexy as going on a vacation. I think it really truly is. And I, I think when you're like really, really passionate about what you do, and that's not to say that people who only work three hours a day are not passionate. That's not what I'm saying. But when you're super passionate about the impact that you want to make and the number of people that you want to help, you see the potential. It's hard to stop working. It's really hard to stop working right? Like I don't really look at my business right now and go, oh, I can get a new house with that. Or if it grows, I can get this. I'm like, I know so many women who have been trapped in abusive relationships who could have an out if I keep working because I want to build a charity around that. And that's a part of my vision that I'm working towards. And it's like, that's what I see when I work. And that's what I think when I put, you know, yesterday I had to fix our email issues at nine o'clock at night. Is that my normal? No, I tend to you know, peace out around five, five thirty, but some nights I do it. And I used to feel really guilty and really ashamed of it because of this laptop lifestyle. And now I'm just like, look guys, I'm fucking fixing emails at 9 PM. And if you're not willing to do that, I'm not willing to work with you. Cause that's sometimes required. <laughs> so before we hit record, we're talking about being half in half out and being, but knowing whether or not you're in a situation ship with your business. And I love this concept that you brought up. So can we just dive into that right now? Cause I feel like it's relevant to the tangent that we're on. Yeah. So this actually came up, my girlfriend and I were recording my business partner. I shouldn't say girlfriend, my best friend and business partner. And I were recording a podcast and I've been reflecting on a lot of the relationships that I've been in. And a couple of my girlfriends are currently in situationships. And I think we all know what a situationship is. It's like, you're there you know, you're in it. You're like, yeah, I'm ready to be exclusive. I want to date you. You know, I want the house. I want the kids, you know, and he or whoever's on the opposite end is kind of like, yeah, maybe you're like, you want to hang out, you know? And they're like asking you questions about like your dog and like these surface level things. And you're just like sitting there, like ready to go in the deep end. And so we started asking our clients, like, are you in a committed relationship with your business or are you a situationship? Like, are you giving your business fuckboy energy or are you giving your business like, I'm here for the long haul. We're going to be 80 sitting on our porch, rocking and rolling, reading books and sipping tea. And, you know, in my world, a good whiskey sour together. Like what are, you know, like what is that relationship with your business like? Because I think a lot of people have one foot in and one foot out and it's a protection mechanism. It's a way of potentially for me, eliminating the risk, right? If you're one foot in and one foot out, you can't really get hurt, right? And I, I see this in relationships. It's like, if you never commit to it, if you never go exclusive, then he can't hurt you because there never really was anything there. And we're like afraid of this commitment. But there's also a freedom that comes with a commitment, right? My girlfriend and business partner, Chantal, she's married. She's been married for a few years. They're in a very committed relationship. She can, you know, not everybody will do this, but she's a little offsided. She can burp, she can fart, she can talk about going to the bathroom. You know, there's a freedom that comes with the commitment. She can say what's on her mind. She can be honest and open without fear of them leaving, right? And I think many, many of us are in situationships with our business, wondering why it's not giving us 100% when we're not giving it 100%. And it's like, you get back what you put out. So if you're you know, some days you're thinking, and it's not even your thoughts. Oh, it's going to work. My business is going to work. I'm here for this. And then the next day you're like, oh, but what about that membership? Or what about that thing? Or maybe I should start Arbon, or maybe I should get a job. Like you're half in and you're half out and you're going to get that back. Right. For me, my business is with me for life. <laughs> Like it's, it's there. It's, it's a stable, consistent, steady thing that requires my time, energy, and attention for it to work just like a relationship does. And I always say your business is a sentient being. It is a living, breathing thing. It has needs just like you do. And if you fail to give it those needs, it will fail to produce results for you. Right. And so, yeah, the question is, are you being a fuck boy with your business? You know, is your business sitting there waiting for you, your, your Kajabi accounts open and it's sitting there, but you're thinking about it, but like never really reaching out, you know, you're never really going in there. That's fuckboy energy and you're going to get fuckboy energy back. <laughs> oh my God. I love the analogies. And we, we said this before we recorded, which was hilarious, like situationships, fuckboy energy, like, are you in, are you out? Like what the hell is going on? And it's funny. Cause even if you're all the way in it and sometimes 
I, I like right now I literally had a conversation with a client today and she was just going off about like Kayla you know I this pattern keeps happening like these things keep going on like I'm just ready to move through it and it's not happening and there's just there's a lot of like frustration and anger coming from her and I just really boiled it down and I said to her and I was like listen this is not what you want to hear right now but I'm going to tell it to you and your options are you're either going to keep going or you're going to quit and she's like okay yes I needed to hear that and the other thing too that I was talking to her about that I thought was a bit nuanced and interesting was like she had this story and I know everyone can fucking relate to this because it's part of like the whole manifestation thing where she's noticing these patterns that keep happening in her life and she, she makes it mean because these patterns keep happening that she's doing something wrong, that, you know, who she is as a person isn't enough. And I messaged her and I was like, if you like who says that a repeated pattern means X, Y and Z? I said, nobody said that you said that. And I said, what if life is just happening and we're seeing the coincidences and connecting the dots? What if life is just happening and all you have to do is keep going instead of sticking your fucking head in the sand like an ostrich and trying to like fix everything when maybe there's actually nothing to fix and you just need to like ride this fucking wave. Literally had this conversation like two hours before we hopped on this recording and I saw you there like pulling your hair like I hear you. So I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think we all have a lot of stories. Um, you know, I hired a therapist to work through my stories personally. <laughs> I, I advocate for therapy. I love therapy. I think everybody should do it. I'm very blessed that I have the ability to do therapy. Um, but he says something to me and it correlates with something that I teach. And that's that like your stories never really go away. Right. And I think we have this, this, this golden vision of like, I have this perfect life and I'm always happy and I'm always confident and there are no issues and these stories don't surface. But the way that I teach, you know, to manage these stories is kind of like thinking about a game of whack-a-mole, which is kind of weird. Right. But if you ever play whack-a-mole, you got the mallet in your hand and the moles pop up and you're reacting and you're like trying to smash that fucking mole back in the hole. Right. And for me, I'm like, as long as you're trying to whack the mole, you've missed the point of the game when it comes to your mindset. So if the analogy carries on, the whack-a-mole, the mole that pops out of the hole is your story. And by you picking up the mallet and going, this story is bad, this is wrong, you're engaging with the story and you're re- kind of like energizing it. You're giving it energy. You're feeding the beast. You're feeding the wolf, so to speak. And the real winners of whack-a-mole never pick the fucking mallet up. They just kind of sit back and they're like, these things are going to play by themselves, you know? And so for me, it's less about like, yes, we all have stories. For me, I really do my best to see the story in and of itself become that overstander of it. Oh, there's that story again. It's coming up because yeah, I watched my mother do that when I was a kid and I don't want that reality. And so this story is coming up for me, not against me, but for me to remind me of what I don't want. And now that I know that that story is there, can I, instead of sending my energy down the rabbit hole with that shit story, can I send it up whatever other kind of hole, the tornado, I don't know, with a new story, you know, can I attach my energy to a new story to get that outcome? But for me, I don't, and I'm human. So like I followed, I follow negative stories all the time. I did it this morning, um, you know, and I, I'm, but for me, it's catching yourself faster. And that's the work for me with stories is seeing the story, knowing that it exists and trying to catch yourself faster from going down that hole and shortening the amount of time that you go down that hole with it. That to me is mindset work. And that to me is like the only way that you can, you know, I think a lot of people talk about reprogramming stories. For me, you do that by catching the story and picking a new one and not chasing your energy down the hole with the story, but instead putting your energy in a, in a different direction. We all have stories. It's insane. The stories that I hear, you know, but they're also trying to tell you something too. So like, I think a lot of people have the story, I'm not enough. And I triggered a shit ton of people a few weeks ago on Instagram, which was always the highlight of my day. Not actually, I never want to make people upset, but triggers, you know, for me, they come up because there's something you need to look at. 
usually we have the story I'm not enough and we try and sugarcoat it with like all the reasons I am enough like everyone's like write out all the reasons why you are worthy of fifty thousand dollars and I said maybe it's coming up because you're not and that was I think a really hard thing for people to hear but what I didn't mean was that like you're not enough as a person what I meant is like you don't have the skills to match that vision right and I think if we think about when that specific story comes up, it's usually when you've made this massive vision and you've got your vision board. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm not enough. And I don't think it's your mind being like, I'm not enough in the sense of like, I don't deserve this, or I'm not capable of this. It's for me, when I hear I'm not enough, I'm like, oh, there's a skill I don't have to get there. What skill am I missing to get me there? And, you know, looking at that story specifically has been a way for me to turn it into something really empowering and, a, and an opportunity for me to learn something new, right? And so I think all stories that come up are are an opportunity in disguise. I loved the whack-a-mole metaphor. And I love what you just said in terms of that reframe with the I'm not enough is actually just saying there's a skill missing. It's not personal to you as a person. Like that's so fucking huge. And with the whack-a-mole, it's funny because I, I have this visualization. I know we all have this visualization in our mind of like a fucking whack-a-mole. And it's like, we're told to whack the moles. But the irony is that, yes, you could whack the moles, but if you actually just stand there and you don't pick up the mallet, like you said, this, they're just going to come and go. They're going to come and go like you're literally just going to stand there and watch these little fucking moles come up and down the holes. And there's just there's actually nothing to do. It just it is what it is. But it's like putting the energy in the hitting of the mallet and the and the looking and it's like you, you never actually get to win because it's never going to stop. Don't even get started. It's not it's never going to stop. So don't fucking get started. Like that's really what I picked up from what you put down with that sharing. It was like so genius. Well, there's literally no, I mean, I won't say there's no benefit because I think in therapy, I've unpacked a lot of stories and a lot of moles that have packed up. Like I've tried to hit and beat over the head in my lifetime, you know, and I do think some of that has been valuable, but only for so long. You know, like there's only so much inventory of the story that you can do before you have to be like, okay, cool. That exists. I'm gonna go do something anyways. <laughs> right. And like, yeah, like you, to me, like you lose the moment you pick the mallet up um, because you, you've missed the whole point. Yeah. The moles are going to do what they're going to do. So yes. Like, save Freedom your in that. Save totally. your energy. <laughs> so while we're on the subject of stories, I know that one of the things that you recently navigated, we talked about how before we hit record, we we're talking about the the peeling of the onion and us becoming more and more of ourselves, you know, through the entrepreneurial journey that we have. And recently you had this realization where you were really stuck in the story of like, I just need to share about business and you weren't actually sharing a lot about yourself. And now you're finding that balance again. And I would love if you can talk about that because there is a lot of you know, stories online of how you quote should show up and what quote consistency means and when you're sharing too much about yourself. And I think that I would really love to hear your perspective being somebody who's been in business for so long and like this homecoming that you had, I think would be a really powerful share for everyone. Yeah. So I, I will start off by saying that like creating content, expressing myself through content, always on Instagram or Facebook has never, it up until this past year, it was never an issue for me. It flowed out of me like water. I could, I could, it was, it was a practice for me. I got up every day. There was always some type of nugget in my brain that I wanted to take and write about. And I would make my tea and I would sit down or my coffee or my matcha. And I would sit down and I would write it out and I would post it. And I wouldn't think anything of it. And some days it was about business and some days it had nothing to do with that. And it didn't matter. At the end of the day, I was just using it as a way to express myself. And I would have all these people come to me who were I think the, you know, the words that we use most of the time is I'm afraid to be seen, right? Like I'm afraid to show up. I'm afraid to be seen fully. And I was always like, I can't help you. I don't have that fear. I'm not afraid to be seen. I'm not afraid to speak at all. Like give me a microphone, put me in a, on a stage. Like I'm a happy camper. Like I will speak for days. And then that really started to change. So I ended up in a challenging relationship during my Saturn return where he did not have social media in any way, shape or form. And not only did he not have social media, he didn't believe in social media. He didn't believe in the power of it. He didn't believe in the good that it could do. And he used to kind of ask me questions all the time of like, why would you share that? Why would you say that? 
And he ran a very, I will say this, he ran a very successful tech business. And I looked up to him. I had him on a massive pedestal in my mind. And I really valued what he said, both from a business perspective and from a a life perspective. I really thought he had it figured out. In hindsight, I was totally wrong. But I, in the moment, Corlin, you know, just looking for her savior, thought he had it figured out and he knew the answers. And he had said to me at one point, you know, like I've looked over your website and I've looked over your sales pages. And, you know, these are things I've poured my heart and soul into. And I've looked over your Instagram and I just want you to know that no one cares about you. And I said, I'm sorry. And he goes, it's all about like, it's your story and it's your thoughts and your opinions. And people don't want that. They want the business advice. They're, you're there to help them grow their business. That's what they want. And I was like, mm, I don't know. So I kept sharing um, the way that I normally would, but I noticed filters going up. I stopped. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a vapor. I vape. I also enjoy some weed from time to time, uh, most nights actually, <laughs> but you know, I used to share those things with people. I would record stories. My vape would be in my hand and I really wouldn't think about it. And I started noticing these filters coming up of like, I would take a photo of something and my vape would be on my desk and I would move the vape out of the way and take the photo again. Or you might be able to see like a pile of laundry in the background that would never have bugged me before. And I would move it and take the photo again. And I started noticing myself putting these filters on. I started to become really, really hard to express myself. And I think, I think the thing for me is like, yes, you gave the analogy of like the peeling back of the layers, you know, of the onion and how we always think that like, you're just always peeling new layers back. And I think, I think we forget that sometimes the layers get added back on. And so for me, it was a, it was a defense mechanism. I think that I put up to protect me from my relationship when, but I was acting that out in my business as well, because for me, how you show up in one area is tends to be how you show up in every area. And so I started hiding things in my relationship I wouldn't talk to him about the mindset stuff because he couldn't get it. I wouldn't talk to him about manifestation because he didn't get it. And so all of a sudden, those filters that I was having in that intimate relationship started really coming up in my personal, in my business world as well. And hindsight is really 2020. I ended that three and a half year relationship um, early in 2023 after my trip to Thailand. And I really still went the entire year really hiding. And I kind of had this moment with my accountant. <laughs> it's not a sexy place to have this kind of realization, but uh, we were looking over our business finances and numbers. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, I'm not doing anything differently. The systems are still the same. Like, I've never changed our systems. Our sales systems are the same. Like, you know, the process is the same. The program is, is the same. Like, it's not making sense. I don't understand what did I do wrong. And when I finally went back and looked at some of the social data, from 2022, I realized that all of our sales driving content was my personal life and not my business life. And when I went back and looked at all of our content for 2023, there was no personal content there for many reasons. One, I was very ashamed of the situation that I was in. I felt like I shouldn't have been in that type of situation that I got myself in. And so, you know, coming back around full circle, I'm now peeling back those layers again, I'm now, and it's so strange to me because I've never had to learn how to be vulnerable, but I feel like I lost the skill of vulnerability and being myself. And now I'm relearning how to do it. And in one way, it's the most frustrating thing on the freaking planet because I know what I want to speak. And then I sit down to type and I find myself backspacing. Like I've never done that before. That's not me. Um, and on the other hand, I'm really grateful for it because I now know how to get my community through it and how to support some of the people who are having a hard, hard time expressing themselves. It's like sitting here listening to you and I really love everything you said because again, it, you know, earlier we're talking about the humanness and the systems that you bring to play and it's like, it just goes to show like you lost a bit of your humanness and now you're bringing it back to the system. And I think that I really wanted you to share this because I think there's this notion in the online space or just in life too, that you should always be ascending. You know, you should always be making more money. You should always be becoming the best version of yourself. Like we're always just aspiring to be, you know, just peel back more layers all the time, but shit happens. Like yeah. life fucking happens. It knocks you down. 
and you're going to have to deal with some shit and your layer is going to come back on. And that's just the reality. And it's like, it's kind of what I said earlier, like you have two options, you either quit or you keep going. And now you're kind of back on that track of I'm going to keep going and rework this muscle of vulnerability because it lost its strength over that year that you were not sharing that part of yourself. And so I think it was just such a powerful share that you had and everything you said was like, just perfect and so important. And I really wanted people to hear that because it's like such a human example. Yeah, there's no way that we always go forward. And I think sometimes the step backwards are more powerful than the step forwards because they give you the wisdom, right? They give you the wisdom that you need to to prevent that before or to to tr- attempt to prevent it from happening again. But my setbacks are like my greatest assets and my the best things that have ever happened to me, honestly, because even though most of my setbacks have been more so in my personal life with losses of family, you know, family falling apart, you know, separation I didn't see coming, like relationships, like all of these types of things, even though that has happened in my personal life, and I teach on business, they're still the same thing, (laughs) you know? And it's just given me so many more points to be able to relate to other people who've been through a lot of shit and who need support working through it, right? And and it helps me just understand when my people or like our community is like in the dumpster fire. Cause like, I'm like, girl, go sit in that abyss for a bit. Like, I can't get you out of that. You got to get yourself out of that. And I said that to a client on a call the other day. She's like, I'm just not doing anything. Like, I know what I need to do and I'm not doing anything. And I was like, I am going to give you the weirdest advice of your life, but I really hope you do it. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I want you to write a list of a hundred things you're pissed at yourself for. And she was like, pardon me. And usually I'll give people a, you know, go write a list of a hundred things you've overcome when people are like really, ugh. You know, I'm like, go write a list. It'll be an empowering thing. It'll light a bit of a fire under your booty. But I've given her that project before and it didn't work. So I was like, go write a list of a hundred things you're pissed about. She's moving now. Like she is like, I'm so mad at myself, you know? And the funny thing is, is she's a generator and her, her not self thing is frustration. And so I had her like put all that frustration in that place. And now she's like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. We're going. And so she has this list that she can always add her frustrations to, which I really love and enjoy. But yeah, like, I'm like, girl, I've been there, write a list of everything that you're pissed at yourself for. And she's like, that sounds like terrible advice. I'm going to feel like shit. I'm like, no, you're going to feel great. Little things like that, right. That you wouldn't know. But like when I was in my, the depth of my relationship, hell, and like trying to decide if I wanted to stay or go, I wrote a list of all the things I hated about him and myself, forget myself in that situation. And it was only after writing that list that I was able to be like, no, we're not doing this anymore. I'm leaving. And so it, it, you know, it goes either way. Some people not everybody should do that exercise. (laughs) I had tried everything with this client and she was not moving. And I was like, we're just going to throw it out there. Let's see. Okay. I loved our conversation today. We hit so many points and just the metaphors and the quotes that got dropped were just amazing. So before we wrap things up, can I want to invite you, because I always ask my guests this, to just share an intuitive piece of wisdom that you think the listeners need to hear right now. Not selling your shit is selfish. Why I want to hear you elaborate on this because I know some people are like, what do you mean? Yeah, hiding your offers is the most selfish thing that you would ever do if your true desire is to help people and make an impact. I always say that like selling is a doorway. It's not a shove through a doorway. It's a gentle opening of a door and inviting people to walk through it with you. And failure to open that door for people and give them the opportunity to walk with you is the most selfish thing you will ever do. And if you can get over yourself and really think about those people and the impact that you could have and that you will have, they will thank you for it later. And another way that I like to put it is who's the first person that you found on the internet who showed you something different? Because you're supposed to be that for someone. And when you don't show up and you don't sell and you don't share, you stop that from happening in someone's life. And that's so selfish. (laughs) That's so unbelievably selfish. I love this because it's such a four line thing for you to say. Like the four lines all about giving the resources, like connect with the fucking people. Like don't be selfish. Don't keep it for yourself. Like interconnect networks, webs, all of it. So I love that that's the piece of wisdom that you're leaving us with today. That was absolutely genius. So before I end the conversation, I want to give you the opportunity and everything will be in the show notes as well. If you can share with our audience where they can find and connect with you online. 
Yeah. So I'm available on Instagram at Corlin Hayeswood. We do have a podcast called Design to Sell. I'm on YouTube at Corlin Hazelwood. And that's it because I cut TikTok out earlier this year. I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Too funny. <laughs> the podcast and YouTube is where I'm at. That's awesome. Thank you again, Coraline, for coming on. Like, I really loved our conversation. It was so much fun. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I want to thank our listeners now for listening. And if you can take a moment to subscribe and leave a review on the channel, that would be awesome. And of course, if you share this episode on social media, tag us so that we can be excited with you. We would love to hear your takeaways. So with that being said, I'll chat with you in the next episode.